So the first night there, not only was I unable to pay for my hotel with a credit card, but I also had to hand over two thirds of the money I'd brought to live on for nine days. So I went up to my room and I freaked out. I think that was the first time I ever legitimately had a panic attack. Well, uh, this is Alex Sturgeon with the the Hobbytown Hobbyplex here for the Hobbyplex show. And uh, with me, as always, is Will Brinton. How's it going, Will? Hey. Doing well, thanks. How's your corona uh, going? You still going to work? Oh, yeah. I'm still going to work. I, it's just like working home, working home, working home. And uh, uh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen Kyle or Andy outside of work in like three weeks. Yeah. Pretty much like my only friends in Lincoln. So, have you done any of the VRC stuff at all? Nah, nah. That doesn't like it's not even close to being the same. So, no, it's like I know. If, unless I was do, it's like you'd only be doing it for fun. You know, I, I so uh, it's like I got other video games that I want to play, and I don't have the thingy, so I can't really. Uh, oh, the connector. Yeah, so I couldn't yeah. do it anyways. I have one floating around here somewhere. I'd have to find it. Yeah. So, so I have, uh, um, they have this really cool low C tuning screwdriver and I just looked at it for the first time. I didn't realize somebody was stopping my flywheel with this thing like many times on my nitro car instead of just like plugging the exhaust. (laughs) Well, you (laughs) see like the end of it's like all chewed up. When I started doing nitro back in the day, I was always told not to stop it with the exhaust. Oh really? Yeah. That doing so can backlog your fuel into the engine and make oh, it harder I, to start next time. So I've always oh. been told, I was always told to, to stop it with the flywheel, like either with your finger or, or however you think you can get it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've always been good enough at tuning an engine that I have to worry about stuff like that. <laughs> I just remember racing. I remember racing my gas truck in Lincoln, like 2001 or 2002 and Steve Marker, you know who that is? Okay, I'm there's there's a don't. dude there's a dude in Lincoln that raced in Lincoln named Steve Marker. He was really good at nitro. It's funny because there's an Omaha Steve Marker and then there was a Lincoln Steve huh. Marker. And I always thought it was hilarious that there's two different RC dudes, 45 minutes apart with the same name. But Lincoln yeah, Steve, is- yeah, Lincoln Steve Marker yelled at me for for shutting my engine off through the pipe because the next time we tried to get it fired up, it wouldn't fire up. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know what engine was it. An RB. Yeah, I, right. I had an old school RB engine. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. OS probably wouldn't have had that problem. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I would never run any engine uh, engine other than an OS based engine. Yeah, uh, I, I think anything. I think I don't know. I think I'm just partial to Novorossi myself because of that's yeah. Back when I was doing Nitro in 03 to like 2011, that's pretty much all I ever ran. I had an OS V-Spec for a little while there, but it always like, it always pinged. It always went into ping mode where it just ping, 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 And it was, it wasn't tuned oh, right, yeah. obviously, but I could never get rid of that ping with that engine. Uh-huh. And the Novorossi's. Well, a lot of it's like, was that a, a 12 or is that a 21? No, that was a 21. That was in my eight scale. Huh. Yeah. That's weird. That was in my old Thunder Tiger before I tacoed the chassis. I wasted a lot of money on on crappy eight scales there for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I, I was sponsored by Sportworks 
for two years. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Like, what'd you say for two weeks? No, it was for two years. I ran a sport works for almost oh, two, two years. years. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. I got tired of going to these races with just gas truck and no eight scale and on, on tracks yeah. that were clearly designed for eight scale. And I told, yeah. um, Sonny Brown, who was working at Horizon and he was product product manager maybe and i was like he's like well why don't you run why don't you have an eight scale and i'm like well because i can't afford an eight scale right now and he's like well give me a call and then we talked about it and the next thing you know i had a sport works in the mail with engines and a, nice. and a dynamite fuel and all this other stuff and i had fun with that car i had to dremel the crap out of the front end arms and i had to shim the crap out of the uh out of the steering bell crank because it this car had a crazy amount of bump steer yeah. You would push down on it and it, and it would, it would just expand the tires in and out and it made it really unstable to drive. And I ended yeah. up taking a Dremel and just Dremeling like a whole bunch of material away on the inside. And I shimmed the bell crank a bunch to get rid of all that, all that bump steer. And it, it calmed the car down a little bit. It actually worked pretty good. I mean, it did back, back then I was qualifying in the top five, usually at RC pro series races. The problem that I had was finishing races. Yeah. I'd qualify like fourth. Like I went to the uh, Action RC in Oklahoma at one of their RC Pro events mm -hmm. and qualified fourth with a Sportworks. And then really? eight, eight laps into the race, the front knuckle broke. And I was wow. like, yeah. Devastating. Gretchen was uh, seven months pregnant and she was with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's that's back when she uh, she wanted to go to races with me. And and yeah, and we we booked it out of there as soon as possible because it was hot. She pretty much stayed in the hotel mm -hmm. the whole time. I felt really bad. 20 years later. Yeah, that's like the, still married. That's like the exact amount of time that uh, or around that time is when a uh, gas truck died like completely. Yeah. It was like a, it was kind of a weird time. Yeah. The tracks were so hard for gas truck. Yeah. You know? oh. and, and almost well, got fun. And then, like you had to roll a lot of these jumps because they were so big and they would get so pitted and rutted. Yeah. You know, well, and then the cars weren't really like they weren't made out of strong enough material to last like a half hour. Like yeah. the, the, everything would be like self-adjusting at the end of a run. And mm -hmm. it just wasn't a good experience. But now, like if you had a T6 uh, ga platform gas truck, I mean, like I think that you could still run it. for. Yeah, I don't see it coming back. I, I think we've tried it a few times. No, it never. But yeah, it, it'll never come back. A track like ours. I think could be mm -hmm. really fun with gas truck again. For sure. Oh, it like our our track is like one of the the few that you could run gas truck at. Yeah. Like if we're if we're gonna have like a truck nationals, like you could do like gas truck, mod mod truck, what is it, like the mini truggy and then uh like short course. Oh yeah. And that that'd be like, that'd be like bad to the bone. A, a truck national. Truck, When's truck the last nationals. time when the last time a truck or a track tried to do that? Wasn't there a a track somewhere that tried to not, do that. Not that I'm aware of. Oh, that could be fun. I could see you, that working. You could even like, depending on entries, you could even do like a, a eight scale truck yeah. too. All trucking. All trucking. We could, mm -hmm. we could see doing that. We'd have to get around this, uh, this Corona mess. Coronavirus update. The president on Sunday just, uh, made the, the national guidelines extend to April 30th. Because yeah. there was talk about maybe letting up, but I don't. It doesn't sound like that. Nobody wants to do that. So, luckily enough, here in Nebraska, <sighs> we don't have any like stay-at-home orders. So, um, the store's still been open, and we've still been getting customers. We've uh, done a, I think, a pretty good job of taking 
sanitary wipes and Lysol and stuff and just spraying, spraying down and wiping down our doors and wiping down our counters. We've actually wiped down our pens a lot, our own personal keyboards. You need to have, have like one of those, what do they have? Like for barbers, they have that like alcohol. Oh like yeah. Yeah. Barbasol stuff. Yeah. It's well, bar- no, I think it's they called have Barbasol, have, isn't it? No, that's a shaving cream. But like there's that blue oh, liquid. Yeah, yeah. It looks like white windshield wiper that, fluid that they put. Yeah, the I know. In, that's what I thought. I thought you, it was called Barbasol. No, Barbasol is a uh, oh, shave. Okay. Cream. But like, uh, yeah, like you dip, dip all your pens in that and you lift the thing out. Yeah, that like, would be good. I could see doing that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were we were awfully busy on Sunday because we always are. We open at noon. So it seems like there's always this anticipation for when we open on Sundays. So at noon, when the, when mm-hmm. the doors open, it's like the floodgates open up and we had a lot of people in there, but even with as busy as we were, and as a lot of people that were in there, cause we had probably had right around 10 customers for a good solid 30 minutes, but it didn't look like yeah. everybody was crammed together. So we were still able to do proper social distancing. You had lots of people looking at puzzles and stuff. I did a mm-hmm. Facebook boost the last two weeks where I've really emphasized puzzles and our STEM kits kites, models, you know, stuff like that, other than your traditional RC car stuff. And we've gotten a really lot of response from that. And that's, I'm telling you, Facebook is great for that. Other than crappy political memes and and people being dumb or like today, like uh, somebody I know from, from Sioux Falls posted a picture and it was mildly pornographic and it it hadn't been taken down yet. Yeah. And you're just like, dude, come on, man. That's not, that's not good. You know, there's, there is 13 Mm -hmm. and 14 year old kids and above, you know, looking at that stuff. There's probably 10 year old kids on Facebook. They're just like, oh yeah, I'm 13, even though they're not. But that being said, the way that Facebook does their ads, I'm able to isolate and really get a large amount of people to actually see the ad and, and people come in and say, man, I didn't even know this store existed until I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Never got that when we, that's a good thing when we advertise with coupons or anything like that, we never really did that. Never got there. So yeah, that's what, I mean, when you advertise, that's what you want. You want new people. Yes. Like a $5 yep. off for some guy that's got a shop in his basement building model airplanes right. coming and using the $5 off early. He was going to buy this stuff anyway. Yeah. So it really didn't do much, but so Sunday we had, you know, people in the puzzles and people in the models. And then there was, you know, lots of people over here in the RC section. Then we were ringing people up. We've got our six foot distancing on the floor. You know, mm-hmm. we're kind of looking at people like, Hey, can you please stand on the, on the orange X? And most people are like, Oh, okay. You know, and they kind of get it. You <laughs> Sorry. Know? So, yeah. and then of course our pit area is limited to 10 people. We've actually, we did have to turn some people away on Saturday. I felt bad. I mean, I'm, I, you know, <sighs> it's not something we want to do, but we, you know, we just said, look, uh, if you want to try back in an hour or so, you know, not everybody stays the entire mm-hmm. day. And it really by, by four o'clock, you know, there was five people down there. So we were able to kind of slip some people right. in, but at least we're yeah. still, we're not operating normally by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But at least we're, no. no, at least we're open and we're, we're able to still provide a service to people. So. Yeah. I went to home Depot on Sunday my wife wanted to paint the living room or we needed to. So we painted our living room. I went to Home Depot on Sunday and there was a ton of people there. Yes. Like I was like, I felt kind of bad for being there. Yeah. Cause it's like, we're not supposed to be out unless it's necessary, but it's like, eh, I'll go over there. Maybe 
maybe nobody will hold it against me. And I go went over there and had some paint mixed up. And they had like they have those five gallon buckets that you can get from there. Yeah, they're orange and they say like I don't know. They have like a, their mascot or whatever on them. And uh, they had those stacked up in front of their counter, like three deep, so that you couldn't get more than six feet to the counter. And then uh, I was like, hey, I want this color paint. Like, I knew what I wanted. Like, okay, it'll be ready in 25 minutes, and we'll text you when it's done. I just went out to my car and sat in my car and listened to podcasts. And then uh, when they texted me, I went back in and grabbed it and left, trying to do my best and still kind of live normally. But yeah. It's been okay. I, we went out today. I had a bunch of uh, honeydews that I had to do today. Yeah, that's what painting the living room was, is a honeydew list. Yeah. Let's get into some hobby news. Obviously, the the This Shirt Supports My Track initiative set up by LiveRC. I think I just read something today where they surpassed $100,000 raised. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel bad I haven't bought a shirt yet. And. I'm, I went through and I kind of looked and seen how the Hobbyplex did. And so far, I think we're going to be, we're going to have a pretty good donation coming to us. So I was, I was really happy to see that. It's definitely going to get used. I mean, we're going to pay some bills. We still got bills to pay. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if we don't, you know, when this is all over, I'm really afraid that there probably is going to be a massive shrinkage of, of racetracks across the country because not all these places are going to be able to pay their rent. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, that. That's like the worst case scenario. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these places uh, are, they're not like a business like ours. Like in bad times, the hobby store, the hobby town part of the hobby plex kind of supports, can support right. the hobby plex part of it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, the nine, 900, uh, for all of you that don't know what I'm talking about in the hobby industry, but hobby town or numbers, their categories in the 100, 200 and so on. And the 900 section is toys. Yeah. And 900, the toy section is your probably your biggest moneymaker. Well, um, well for margin wise. Or, I mean, it's a mar- marginally and like overall sales. Like, because, yeah. you know, people that come to Hobby Town have never been there before. Not us. Um, they're not, <laughs> right. Not, not an RC person. I mean, yeah. you know, they want to have stuff for, you know, what is it? Probably ages nine to 15, nine to 13. Yeah. Age like stuff. And like, that's your, your games and your, uh, think puzzles and your, uh, what else is there? Like pretty much like, you know, you walk into the Plex and other than the train section, everything on the right hand side, when you walk into the doors is 900, I believe. Yeah. It's pretty close. I mean, that's, it's a pretty big section and that that's like marginally, that's where you make a lot of your money. Yeah. You know, like if I was going to do a hobby town, I definitely have a 900 there. Well, and that's why the boosts that I've done the last couple of weeks have focused on not as much on the RC side of things, but as the other stuff that we have that can keep your kids occupied or make them happy. Yeah. Or again, we've had a lot of people say, holy crap, you guys have puzzles. And I'm like, yeah, yeah we've always had puzzles. So it's, it's interesting just to, to, to hopefully those people come back, you know, when this is all over too. And, and and get to say, Hey, I remember this place when we had the thing and we had to go do stuff. And now we're, now we're back. Yeah. Hobby towns had puzzles like since, since old East park days. Puzzles can be a hobby. There's a, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is for some people. Remember 3d puzzles. Yeah. We have some ones that you build. Yeah. They still make those. Yeah. There's like the Eiffel tower and like a castle 
and uh, Titanic. Yeah, they had a Titanic one and uh, Empire State Building. So something that ties into that that deal with um, the track thing is that who is it? Is it was it um, Spencer? Didn't Spencer donate like a car or something to that? And uh, I thought so. And Mayfield's got his one of his uh, Jason Rona put up uh, one of Ryan Mayfield's cars. It was the last car that Ryan Mayfield raced for Associated. Okay, it's yeah. a B five M, and you ran the Cactus Classic with it. Did it win nationals too? I thought I thought I read it said um, nationals winning, or was it Cactus Classic? I don't know. Has Has Ryan Mayfield won an electric two wheel drive buggy nationals? Oh, I he has to. <laughs> don't you think? Look, look it up. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't think he ever has won two wheel. That's a good. That's a in recent. I feel really crappy for not knowing time. the answer to that because I'm I'm a pretty good RC historian for the most part. And yeah, I don't think he I, has. Honestly. Because there is at our nationals, he won uh, four-wheel. Uh, four-wheel drive. Dakota won two-wheel. And Dakota f- and truck. Yeah. The following year, didn't Ty Tessman he... win anything, everything at the first? Yeah, at the, the one following that you did, year the was in Maryland. Won? Yeah, the following year at, at uh, the huh. track. Well, That's I, when Tessman won everything. I feel kind of dumb for not quite knowing the answer then, to that. I bet you if you went back, then you just in, had to have. I don't know. I don't know. And then uh, the year before, in 15, was when it was at SRS. Cavalry won all four classes. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then, and then I can't remember who won in 13. He definitely didn't win in 09 when it was at our place because uh, Cavalry won that one too. And two-wheel drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of the whole... Uh, I've talked to Tebow about that race before. Thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I just thought that that was cool. Uh, I wanted to bring it up. Um, I think you can still donate. I I don't think they're ever going to... I don't know. It doesn't sound like they're ever going to actually like stop doing that. I, it doesn't sound like they're going to stop taking uh, or selling shirts anytime soon. I didn't see like there was a time limit or anything to that. No, keep keep it rolling. Yeah, yeah I would. And I keep looking on our PayPal Maybe. account because they said that payments will be going out soon. So I've, I've been looking at our PayPal account today and I haven't seen anything yet, but I'm sure it'll get in there. Yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm sure. looking forward to that so I can show the owner. Be like, hey, check out what we got. This is from our racers. Yeah. He'll be super happy about that. So how about, uh, how about Thomas Tran, man? Becoming the Team Losi team manager. Yeah, I think that's uh, great. Any company would be lucky to have him. I, I mean, he's going to be valued no matter where he went. And I had, I had a feeling he was going to stay somewhere in the industry. And I had a inkling that this was going to happen, but I didn't know if it was, I never asked. I, it, was, it was just like, well, they haven't filled that team manager role at TLR yet. And uh, when he'd left J concepts, he said he was leaving. I'm like, okay. I was like, well, they still haven't filled that team manager role. And Thomas had been running TLR cars. So I was like, hmm, maybe, yeah. but I never said anything because I didn't want to like start anything, especially if it wasn't true. Right. So I never said a word to anybody about it. But hey, I, I should maybe I should have said something to my buddies like, hey, I think this is where he could go or what could happen because I'd have been right, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> so I, I think he's going to bring a lot of skills that and I'm, this is not saying anything bad towards any previous team manager at, at TLR ever. Like Kevin was awesome mm-hmm. when I was a team Losi guy. Um, before that, 
it was uh, you kind of had Adam Drake and Todd Hodge kind of tag teaming it too, and then you had Richard Trujillo. I think what Thomas brings is this in depth knowledge, and this is why a lot of tracks want to have J Concepts come to their track because they had that online presence where they would do interviews, they would do live video of the races with commentary from somebody who's kind of, and they, this isn't a knock against Live RC either. Live RC does a fantastic job and a very professional job, but you kind of had this like intimate relationship with, with Thomas as he was, as he was taking video. Cause he could kind of answer the questions as they came in or, or comments and whatever he was able to kind of expand J concepts presence to, to a more complete level at every race that they went to and every race that they were allowed to do what they need to do. Because some races you have, some races you have live RC kind of has a, what's that called? Is it like exclusive rights? Exclusive rights to a, to a thing. And so you can't post like, like, I think like the Reedy race, I think you can't post any races that you video. Well, you know how like, um, like red RC, right? Yeah. So they, so they, they do a really good job of putting all that rounds pro action together in a video, like 15 minutes, 16 minutes long and then post it on YouTube. So when I get home from work, I can go on and instead of sifting through the live stream all day, I can go on and just see bam, 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 the three rounds right in a row for that round. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's right. how, I, that's how I've, I've been able to watch the Reedy race the last couple of years since I wasn't able to go. Well, I don't think they can post those until a certain time period after they're over. So live RC well, kind of has sense. exclusivity. So some, some races, your J concepts isn't allowed to do the live stuff, but when you have like the INS, obviously it's their race. So they're going to have it right as it happens. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, I can see why they would do that, but he, uh, he was just able to bring, um, that to all of us. And mm-hmm. I hope that he might be too busy on Honestly, a lot of these races with the team, but at least he, maybe he'll be able to have somebody else also do that from team Losi's standpoint now, you know, yeah. like maybe he can train somebody to kind of do that or, or they have somebody in mind that's going to be that guy with his mentorship or help. Yeah, I could see that. Like when I when I think uh, J Concepts INS event, I definitely think Thomas and Jason. You yeah, know? It, it's like he, Thomas kind of did something that nobody had done before. You know, especially with the company and the the gim his phone on a gimbal. Yeah, and then uh, you know he gets along so well with everybody. You yeah, know? he and I like were I said, roommates you know, once. He, really? Yeah. So when I went to the world in China in 2016. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crazy thing happened. So I, I was competition director with roar. Uh, they said, Hey, we need somebody to go to the worlds in China who wants to go stupidly. I said, Oh, pff, I'll do that. That's awesome. Do I get to, are, mm-hmm. do I have to pay for anything? And they're like, uh, well, I mean, yeah, you got to pay for your food, but you get reimbursed for flight and hotel and all this other crap. I'm like, well, I'll totally go right. First international trip ever in my life. And I'm going to China. Okay. Yeah. So it turns out that uh, Jeff Parker, who's also, who is, who's actually now IFMAR president, I think. Yeah, I think because he, he was vice president. I'm pretty sure he's the IFMAR president right now. He was like, maybe yeah. it's not such a good idea for you to have your first international trip be to China. I'm going to go with you. And I'm like, okay. So I became U.S. team manager and Jeff Parker was the, was the, uh, the representative for Roar at the IFMAR meetings that take place. So I mm-hmm. got, I got to go. The first day there, three weeks beforehand, I got my passport. I got everything set up. I got my visa from China. I got a 10-year visa so I can still go back, although I'm not going to get coronavirus. I'm not going to go anymore. (laughs) 
three weeks prior, I emailed the hotel and said, Hey, do you take discover card? Because that's the only credit card my wife and I have is discover card. And I got an email mm-hmm. back that said all universal credit cards are accepted. And I was like, okay, <laughs> right. I was like, okay, well, all right, let's see. So I, ca- I tried calling. Nobody spoke English. That was a cluster. I emailed back again. Mm-hmm. I said, are you sure I'm coming from America? This is my only form of payment. Are you sure discover is the, and, and I got an email back saying, yes, all universal credit cards are accepted. First day we get to the hotel. There's a line of, of people to pay. Uh, Jeff pays for his, he's got a visa. No problem. I roll up to the thing. I hand over my card. She goes to run it. She comes back and she, she goes, ah, visa master call only. And I'm like, what? No, really? So they didn't take discover. So then I'm still, I'm sitting there freaked out because I'm staying there for nine days and I have no way to pay for the hotel. Well, you're going back to the United States. Just leave. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm so, sorry. <laughs> so, so in order to get my room for the night, cause we each had our own room. I brought with me about $800 American, whatever that turned into in, in Chinese one. I don't know, but I had to hand over to them two thirds of that cash to get my room for the night because there was a deposit. So the first night there, not only was I unable to pay for my hotel with a credit card, but I also had to hand over two thirds of the money I'd brought to live on for nine days. So I went up to my room and I freaked out. I think that was the first time I ever legitimately had a panic attack in my life was that night. I couldn't sleep. I, I maybe slept maybe, maybe an hour. So I come down the stairs and the next morning and I'm freaked out because we're supposed to get to the track at like seven o'clock and then just sit there all day and watch 12 scale racing. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do I do? I look and there's Scotty Ernst and Scotty turns to me and he goes, Oh, look what the cat dragged in. Cause he, I, I had asked him if about China and all this stuff. And he gave me the kind of the, the lowdown and everything. And I, I went up to him like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any money. And I don't have any money to pay for the hotel. What am I going to do? This is going to be horrible. My, I, I'm here for eight more days and I don't have any money, blah, blah. <laughs> he goes, Alex, he's like, there's like 40 Americans here. We'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay. So to make this shorter, we you like when you're in China, your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we made a deal with, with Brandon. The at best Li- deal. Yeah. We made the best deal. It's the best deal ever. Uh, we made a deal with Brandon from Live RC. He was going to pay for my room and get reimbursed from Roar, but but they had shorted him a room, so they had problems too. They couldn't. They had all these people, and they were supposed to get one extra room. Well, they didn't get it, and Thomas was part of that mm-hmm. crew. So Thomas and I became roommates. Thomas came and took over my room, and I'm and I was like, dude, you can have the bed. I'm like, Brandon's paying for this. I, I'll sleep over here. And they had this like really curved like chair, and it was super mm-hmm. comfortable. I got to say it looked uncomfortable, but it was super duper comfortable. So I slept there for nine days and just let Thomas have the bed yeah. and, and it was cool. So we became roomies for a little while. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I never heard that story before. Yeah. It was a, it was a brutal first day, but it ended up being pretty, pretty awesome after that. All the pictures and video and I got to go to the wall and I got to see onward racing, uh, at its finest. That was pretty fun. The other funny story about that one, yeah. since, I mean, to be, to be clear, we're trying to fill an hour's worth of time, right? And there's really not a whole lot going on. This is the biggest news we got is, is Thomas being the TLRT manager. Mm-hmm. And I do want to bring up how impact, is big news. it's huge news. 
I want to bring up how impactful um, team managers are. But I got a funny, I got a funny, mm-hmm. another funny story to tell about this. So I was U.S. team manager. All right. Yeah. Okay. U.S. Mm-hmm. team manager. Uh, on the 12 scale side of racing, there was, I believe, two drivers. Okay. When we, mm-hmm. when we switched to touring car on our touring car, there was um, JJ Wong, Rick Howard, and this other dude that I can't remember his name for the life of me now. But either way, all three of them did not need my help with anything. Rick Howard's mm-hmm. been going to world since he was like in his twenties, I guess. Before I was born. Yeah. I mean, Rick Howard's been doing worlds forever, so he didn't need my help. JJ's dad, I think it's Rick. I think that's his name. Is it Rick? No. Anyways, it doesn't matter. His dad was actually, uh, one of the guys who helped organize the race. So he didn't need my help. And then the other guy, <laughs> The other guy I would go to these team manager meetings and sit there and, and, and write everything down and then just go back and say, well, this is when this is, and this is when this is. And he would just look up at me and go, okay, thanks. And so that was my job. I, every morning, a team manager meeting, I had one person to report to, and he didn't really need my help either. <laughs> so it was just like, hey, guys, I'm Alex Sturgeon, this big, doofy nerd that some of you guys know for a long time, and I'm here basically doing nothing. But I did get to go, so I was pretty happy, but still, it was. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah, let me know if you need anything. I'll be over here. I did did get to experience more RC politics than I care to for the rest of my life. Interesting. Yeah. Anything juicy? Anything good? Nothing juicy, but it's just, it just, the first thing that I noticed right away was the age of everybody in IFMAR. Yeah. All very old. And th- uh, this uh-huh. isn't a put down, but the age sure. of those guys, I was like, there's nobody really young in IFMAR at all. Right. Later that summer, I went to Vegas for the world event. I had to, I had to be the raw rep there. I was by far the youngest person in the room, mm-hmm. like by a lot. Yeah. I was the youngest one when I did RMT at the Ronats in Maryland. Well, yeah. Like, eh. but I mean. Yeah, I I like all those guys. They're I've I've always got along with the old dude, you know. It's and I'm the not old, saying guy, uh, drink it. I'm not yeah. saying I didn't like any of those guys. I had a really good rapport with everybody there. I felt like I did anyways. The, the, with the judgment calls that those guys have to make, though, I'd almost almost always have rather have the older guy because they have a lot more experience anyway. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's my that's <sighs> my. I mean, they've probably seen everything. I do feel though that in some cases if there was a little bit different perspective on things, they might not have, how am I going to put this? There might not have a track that doesn't exactly work in either direction. Like it looked like it did in China that it was it 2018. Like if they could like for uh, the off for the 17 for 17 for the, for enzyme Zeming. So if they would just maybe not, be lax on the rules, but be able to give a little bit and just let the track be raceable. Who cares what direction you're going or the fact that it's mm-hmm. got to be completely different or, or this percentage different, whatever. I think, I think the participants would much rather have a track that's fun and works rather than a track that's different because they consider them to be two different events. They're really hard edged on yeah. that though. I asked him, one of the questions I asked was, how come, you, how come you have to have one chassis at the event? Like, why, why is it important to have one chassis marked for the entire event? I never really got a good answer to that. Well, I, I feel like, 
All right. So when Wednesday night club racing or even just like a, a, a winter series event, there's guys with two 12 skills there. Mm-hmm. Like they, they'll run one 12 scale when the track doesn't have as much grip. They'll try the, next, the other 12 scale with an entirely different setup, maybe a solid diff or a solid axle or something like that. And then they'll pick the car that works better or they'll run a low grip car and then go to a high bike car, like entirely different car. I mean, yeah, it's the world's. But, I mean, does it make sense that you shouldn't, I don't know. I mean, uh, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have, to be able to run as many cars as you want. I mean, it kind of takes the, it makes it uh, halfway, and I don't know, RC is kind of cheap when you talk about racing. But you can change everything else in your car, except for the chassis plate. I mean, that's the only thing that's going to keep you from running an entirely new chassis or entirely different car. You know, like you could have, what if at the uh, 15 Worlds, they had the shaft-driven version that they tested at the World's Warm-Up, or Associated tested at the World's Warm-Up. There's that shaft-drive car, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. With the B44 drivetrain in it. Yeah. And then, uh, that's not what they ran, but what if they just tried different cars through the event and hit on something? But I don't, I don't know. It's definitely an advantage to be able to run an entirely different vehicle. They're probably just trying to take an advantage away from somebody that can do, do that. But ultimately it's a world. It's like people are going to spend what it costs to win. So I don't know, maybe it is an antiquated rule, but I guess in the, the spirit of RC racing, I mean, to me it makes sense to have it. So you can't just run an entirely new car every round. Yeah. But the other thing too, like an off-road or run an aluminum chassis now. I mean, what if you bend one? Yeah. You're stuck with it. That's kind of what I was, you know, I was you stuck with curious it. about, you know, I don't know. I, that was the one thing that, that kind of stuck out to me. And again, I'm not, dude, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. I just, I was just surprised that there wasn't anybody yeah, that really. You didn't, that you didn't get an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So like, for me, the only thing I would like to see is maybe some of the older cats that are in Roar or the, the guys that are in Roar build a two-wheel drive buggy and race it, yeah. even if it's just their local track or whatever, just just so they have a little bit more of an understanding of how the vehicles work. Whether or not that matters ultimately, I don't know. Yeah. But I think that it would it would just be a good – and they might. I don't know. But I think that it would be just a good uh, – uh, exercise to understand the cars a little bit better. But yeah. I mean, there's some rules in the rule book that like, uh, what is it? You have to run a Spurger cover. Well, that's, that's kind of a rule for, uh, rear motor cars, right? Yeah. Um, that's an RC 10 type rule. <laughs> there's a so, lot of rules in, um, the, in the rule, in the roar rule book that when I was on competition director, we, we, we tried various times to, as a group get, get the rule book revised and eliminate some stupid rules that no longer needed to be there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the problem is, is, is the first guy that we tasked that to said he would take it on. And then mm-hmm. he disappeared like a month later. Nobody ever heard from him ever yeah. again. So I, it's just, sure. you know, because it's volunteer, you kind of, you're kind of relying on this stuff. And then, you know, I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. But then time management wise on my side with everything that I got to do with the hobby plex, that was basically impossible you know, mm. and I felt bad and I was just like, I can't, I can't do that part and do competition director and do everything I'm doing at the Plex. 
it just wasn't going to So work. maybe maybe what you said with it being volunteer, I mean, maybe it needs to be run more like a business, but then they wouldn't have enough money to do anything. So yeah, I know it, it's, it's a weird, it, that, I mean, that's gotta be a, it is, it's obviously a really hard job. Yeah. I mean, you're always the bad guy if you make a call and it's like, I never um, want to wear the red shirt. Really, yeah. To, the 2017 um, I mean, yeah. Nitronats did it for me. That sure. was, that was I when I was why. like, that was when I was like, well, I think I'm done here. That, yeah. It was that race. And I mean, and how people, you know, how people treated roar at that race was awful mm -hmm. you know yeah i i wasn't there i didn't really have any problems when i when i did it or i did rmt but probably the only thing that was tough was like the guys in stock that were obviously grinding their tires and it was like you know they're not legit but it's like how do you prove it yeah i'm looking at your tires i can tell that you ground them like literally you ground them with with uh, emery cloth or some kind of really really coarse grit sandpaper. Each one of those uh, pieces of grit and the sandpaper is a cutting tool, and it put grooves all, all the way around this thing. I can tell you ground it, but it's yeah. like, well, no, I didn't. Like, oh, okay. It's yeah. like uh, you try to make everybody legit, and you know the guys that are legit. You try to do what you can, and it's just like, well. Now you're a bad guy for not doing enough from the guy that, you know, is obviously right. And then on the other hand, you know, you're telling somebody they can't race. It, yeah. It's just, it's really tough. I would do RMT again. I liked it, but I, I um, would, I would, I like I being really an announcer have a job that I can. I like being an announcer. Yeah. I don't like it when I, I didn't like it when announcer and scorekeeping were combined because then you, you basically it was two jobs and I'm not a computer guy. Like that was the, that was the struggle was I know how to run live time. I knew how to run RC scoring pro. I can talk, I can announce races. I can, I'm pretty good about, Hey, uh, you know, this person's coming up on you, that sort of thing. I can run an efficient race program, but if something goes wrong, that's computer related, dude, I'm mm -hmm. got me no idea. I can guess, Yeah. you know, and, and that's mm -hmm. what I, that's always was my biggest thing. Like we'd go to these races and, the computer would have to be like networked into something, something I'm not, I don't know anything about networking, man. I just push buttons and I talk like that's, that's what mm -hmm. I do. You know, when it was ran by RC scorn pro and you had to like know how to tell the computer to make a report within computer lingo got me. Sure. I had to remember it. I had, right. to, I had to like take notes and remember it that way. That's why live time is so much better mm -hmm. in my opinion. I know some of you guys out there are like, Oh my God, but it's true. Um, Maybe it's different now, but I like lifetime. Anywho, I don't mind being announcer. I don't actually mind running tech. If they needed a tech guy, I would I would probably be okay with that too, because that's a straight job. It's either a yes or no. You either pass or you don't. You know, mm -hmm. I don't mind doing that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be race director. I'm not very good with with uh at that level. I'm not I'm just I have right. my own problems at my own track being race director. And mm -hmm. and everybody who races at the Plex nowadays kind of kind of has a feel for each other and there hasn't been any, t anything crazy going on, but like at the 2017 Nats, when, when Tebow's transponder stopped working in the middle of the race, dude, I would have hated being Bob Ingersoll at that moment. Yeah. Race director or Jeff or Jeff. I think they were both sharing race yeah. directing duties at the time. Dude, I wouldn't want that job because mm -hmm. you've got people from yeah. one side pointing at the rule book, yelling at you for this. And then you've got people at the other side saying, well, it doesn't say that you can't which is right. It didn't say that you mm -hmm. can't hand count anybody. 
And then there's a rule in there that says mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's, it's this, and that you're just, uh, I would struggle with that. Well, cause I try to be nice to people. The, the, I mean, I, I felt like they made the right decision. Oh, absolutely. I, I said, I said that, I said that to Bob at the 17, uh, Rornats. He was like, how do you know you weren't there? And I was like, well, okay, I guess you can take the compliment or not. I was like, Sorry, <laughs> I guess I'm just an idiot. And I was like, I, I felt like you guys made the right decision. And he's kind of, I don't know, maybe just having a bad day. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, all, cause what I, what I said, like when it happened, I was like, well, are, are we, are we, uh, racing transponders here? Are we racing cars? Yeah. You know? Ultimately, his car's still out front. Yeah. What difference does it make? Yeah. That rule wasn't necessarily ambiguous. It was just, it was, there's two different sections where there was a transponder rule. Neither of them said that you couldn't hand count somebody. It was just, it was almost like race director discretion is is kind of what it implied. A lot of the rule rules are very discretionary implied. They're, it's almost like when they were written, they were vague on purpose. Yeah. That would make me want to pull my hair out. Tell me the, what do you think the importance of having a really good team manager is? Well, you have to have somebody that can speak to people and hold on, hold on, wait, a, wait a second. Okay. Hold on. Hey, pass me a kickstart. <sighs> okay, go ahead. um well i mean you have to have you have to have a team manager that can that can be the uh kind of the figurehead for your company at at a track right yeah so you have to have somebody that that is knowledgeable can actually carry on a conversation with somebody you know you don't want somebody who's just crazy fast and can't talk to anybody or you know uh explain something to them if they need help um and then you need somebody that can uh you know, be involved with their team and, you know, kind of connect with them at more of a, on more of a personal level, you know, like you want to feel like, yeah, you're on a team, but like for me feeling like you're part of the group or you're friends with somebody or you're friends with your team manager, you're, you belong. I mean, that's something that's always been very important to me. I hate feeling like if, like I go to a race or something and I'm just not part of the group or I feel left out or I'm not a part of what's going on. You know, everybody just wants to belong, right? Yeah. I, I try to be pretty inclusive. I mean, don't you think I do a good job of that at yeah. times? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not a team manager, but I definitely look at the Plex as like, you know, I'm kind of the, I'm when I'm racing at the Plex, I'm like kind of the face for associated, right? Well, that's what Brent is for associated. He's there on a national level or a huge level, you know, anywhere else in the country at any time, he's kind of the head, he, he is the head head guy like you think associated you think Brent Telke and you know Cliff Lett and those guys right well the having somebody like Thomas where he connects with people like I consider him a friend him him and I get along great I, I you know I could tell him anything we joke around and uh you know having somebody that can be both knowledgeable on the product side and be somebody that can kind of connect on a personal level with somebody and care I mean, that's a big deal and not a lot of people have that, you know, and that that's what, uh, I would look for at least from a consumer or, um, some, somebody like, you know, on the team, that's, that's kind of what I would want. 
And, you know, those guys do a ton of work behind the scenes, too. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't be where they're at for as long as they were if they didn't. And, you know, I send in a race report probably once a month, once every two months. I try to. And I know Brent is super busy. Um, so it's like I try not to, to just tell him, hey, I clubbed race, you know, six times this last month or something. Um, I try to have a little bit more than that. You know, something I tried. um, some results from maybe a regional event and, um, you know, just to kind of check in, let them know I'm still racing every week and how many kits did I, you know, kind of sell or did I uh, let, how many times did I let somebody drive my car and that re- resulted in uh, somebody buying a kit. You know, those are things that are important. Yeah. Uh, result Results are winning all the time. That's not really the ultimate uh the major importance of being a team driver or a team manager. It's more of uh, making sure everybody has a good experience with the product that you're running. I think Brent Telke is kind of the gold standard for team managers. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, way back in 04, when I, when I became a team associated driver, I mean, he answered my emails and uh, I remember him, you know, talking to me on the phone. And then when I first met him, it was the 05 gas gnats and uh, I wasn't doing that good. I don't really do good at gnats, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I was like, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Alex. I introduced myself and he's like, Oh, finally nice to meet you. And then, and then uh, I tend to be a, a lot of times I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as social in the pits. I don't think as other people can be, maybe, maybe now I am, but back then I don't think I was, I was very intent on, changing car setups or driving, or I was, if I was frustrated, I would just kind of, kind of close up a little bit. And I remember standing there watching the races and I had my goggles on cause it was windy and my goggles on over my head. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, he like took a picture with a digital camera and then asked me how I was, how my, my weekend was going. I was like uh, pretty rough. And he was like, Oh yeah, well come on over and, and help, you know, but I was actually doing okay in gas truck. So it wasn't that big of a deal as eight scale that I was struggling in. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, he didn't even really know who I was. I mean, he kind of knew at least who I was, but he didn't know anything yeah. about me, but he was interested in how I was doing and he, he wanted to help when I let in 06, when I, when I was like, okay, well I got this opportunity at horizon hobby and team Losi. I would really like to take it. You know, I appreciate you guys. I'm running out my contract. I'm not going to just stop. I, that's one thing you listen, people yeah. don't leave. If you have a contract through a certain time period, don't be that guy who leaves in the middle of the year to break. It just goes, yep. Oh, Oh, it's over. That means something. And if you ever yeah. want an opportunity later on, don't burn those bridges people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm following through with this, but, but next year I'm not going to renew. He was very cordial about it. He was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, I mean, uh, we're, it sucks to have you go and whatever. And, and then he kind of made this, he's like, make sure you, you know, maybe later if you want back or something, he kind of inferred like, you know, maybe it, I'd have an opportunity there again. The funny thing was a couple of years down the road in like, I think it was 2017 when I kind of was like, I'm just going to be a privateer from now on. Dude, the first email I got or text I got was from Brent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, no dude, yeah. I'm cool. But he still remembered it. Yeah. He was still like, I thought we had a deal. And I'm like, nah, no, not right now. That's really cool. He's one reason why I really like driving for Associated. Yeah, I, I like I like talking to Brent. I try not to bug him too much, um, but he just has a lot of knowledge, and um, I try to absorb everything that I can. 
when I'm at an event. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, just that feeling of belonging or being a part of the group uh, is, you know, something that's always been really important to me. And I always felt like that with Associated. So I feel like I feel like Thomas Tran's going to have that impact at Losi. Sure. You know, yeah. And, you know, uh, that's you, you got to you got to sell the fun. Right. Yeah. And I think that uh, I think Thomas is good at that. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah. Do you have one? We had a thing going where we had this structure and now we're just like the hell with it. Let's just, let's just talk about stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, there wasn't a ton to talk no, about. No, not but, really a ton. There's um, honestly no new products that I can think of right now. Yeah. Um, no, not me neither. Really, really neither. There's a, oh, if you have a B74, get the aluminum B74 hubs from J Concepts. Yes. Those yeah, dropped. those just dropped. Yep. Yep. Aluminum rear hubs. Mm, aluminum. So, I mean, that's a product. Yeah, that's true. That is a product. We'll, we'll get that's those. That's a in. thing. We'll go, we'll get those in at the Plex for sure. They um, have like the A, B, C, and D mounts and some other cool aluminum stuff. And mm. I'm going to trick mine out, I think. I've been thinking about getting a four wheel drive again, but I, I, I probably won't. I almost want to get one just in case I get into the Reedy race, but then, um, then that's way more money because it'd be Emerson and yeah. me. So not, not really right. interested right now. Let's get into some questions. Uh, I posted a very quick thing. Some? A couple, we have, we have two, two real questions. The rest of them were just, uh, comments on, on my, on my baby picture that I posted. Aww. If you're on Facebook, you can, you can actually look at, we have a page for this show. It's, um, the hobby plex show, YouTube channel and podcast. You can like it. And then I usually post, uh, for questions on there. And I also post when we're doing live stuff like on YouTube or if I do a new YouTube video, I post it on there. But, um, so Joe Zayer Jr. wants an update on the spring champs. And also, would you rather use a carpet car or dirt car on a backyard grass track? A grass track. I'll fix the grass. Yeah, I, I think grass, that would be huh? the the thing. If it's like manicured golf course grass, I would think carpet. Or I have no idea. I guess, it, it, I think it would depend on how many bumps there are. If it's bumpy. Yeah, I I think you'd want to, I think you'd want a ball diff. No, that's true. Honestly, I think you'd, yeah. I think you'd want to. I think you'd build something with a lot of grip in the back of it. And mm. yeah, that's know, true. I think you'd run a dirt car. Personally, yeah, yeah I think you're right. Now that I'm swinging your way, that's uh, mm-hmm. that's weird. Because that you happens. got a lot of a lot of inconsistencies, and you got a lot of banging on that drivetrain. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, yeah, I think a ball ball diff a ball diff uh, dirt setup car would be your uh, be your go to there, buddy. What do they do in Europe? Don't they don't they race on grass over there in 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 Great Britain most of the time? Don't they just uh, lay I think out? They run on astroturf. It's astroturf on top of sand, if I yeah. remember right. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I probably am. I've seen a grass track or two though, where they just they just went to a field, they laid out like lane dividers, and then that was their track. Do they run a dirt car or carpet car? I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> it's so different. It's so different from what if we do over gonna, here. If somebody was like, "We're racing on grass this week," I'd take a dirt car. Dude, could personally. you could you imagine if we tried to do this, something like that over here, where we just said, "All right, here's a here's Memorial Park. We're gonna take this hundred mm-hmm. by hundred foot area, lay out some things, cut the grass, and oh, there's our track." Do you think anybody would show I up? I wonder how. 
I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Because the plex is the plex is there. Well, I the plex I, wasn't there. Okay, I don't in, know. A, in, a, in a in a world where the plex wouldn't be there, and that's all we had, maybe. But but I don't maybe. know. You couldn't yeah. get. I don't think you'd get away with it, it here. You'd I, have. I wonder how long you be like. Yeah, I wonder how long. Stupid. It doesn't work with my car. I'm not going there. Yeah, that's the difference between racing in America and the UK. Like they're they're happy to race anywhere. They'll run whatever. Like they don't care. Like we'll make my car work. Everybody in the United States is like, your track better work for my car. You know, it's just a totally different mindset. But I, my question is, is how long do you cut the grass? Because yeah, is it like astroturf where it kind of folds over? Mm. You know, and you get that nice kind of grain going with it, or you cut it short and it never has a chance to fold over. I don't know. Mm. Update on the spring champs. I, uh, for this show, it's going to come out Friday or Saturday, one of the two days. I don't have an update yet. Uh, the owner and our general manager, I think they, they talked about stuff a little bit today. Um, we actually have our monthly manager meeting next Monday. So before this show is taped next week, I will definitely have an answer on that. The problem that I see. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, the problem that I see is is because the presidential the nationwide 15 mandate. days mandate or whatever it is goes through April 30th and our race is April 24th to the 26th. So I think we might be screwed. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I I guess, I guess we got to we, we got to give Joe an answer before the 10th though so we can yeah. cancel his Airbnb. Yes. And so next week we should be fine. We should call this the Joe's Air rule. <laughs> like if we ever cancel a race, like we should call it the Joe's Air rule. Like you have to cancel it by a certain yeah. date. I, I'm, I would want to, if, if, if we're going to postpone it, I'd almost want to just do it the week after the first weekend in May. The problem with that is, is what if, because we, we don't know what if they extend that rule another two weeks, well, then we'd have to cancel it again. So yeah, because I think uh spring champs now in fall would be a good one. Yeah. For- fall sucks though, man. There's so much stuff in the fall locally race wise. What if we had it in uh, December as like a warm up race for another event? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Maybe that would be the thing to do. Yeah. I don't know. We call it the Hobby Checks Winter Champs. Yeah. Hobby Plex Winter Champs. <laughs> well, that race was the Hobby Plex. I mean, it was the Novak race when it was the first weekend in January. That's where that yeah. race originated from. And then we, we were trying to get, we were trying to get races out of the middle of winter because of, of, possible weather interference there from like blizzards and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but, but then <laughs> look at our winter series. Our winter series is some rounds are almost as big as turnout. I mean, numbers wise, almost as big as one of our big events. Right. So and people are going to come or they're not. I know we've had a pretty mild winter. I think we'll have, have another two years, one next year. Two hopefully. years of mild winter. Yeah. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Bring on global warming. Yeah. I don't like being cold. Being cold sucks. Yeah, me neither. Um, the other question we got, and and I don't know, it's uh, Nick Chestnut uh, puts drones. What to get for entry level FPV? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I haven't droned a drone. Dude, I haven't droned a drone, and I don't know how the long. drone market went. <laughs> do they, does uh, Horizon still have that blade? Uh, FPV. Yeah. So I would, is uh, it a blade? Yeah. I would say the blade inductrix FPV, um, would be a really good one. 
because it goes really, it goes slow. It's small, so you can fly it indoors and it's super fun. I have one somewhere. I yeah. Don't know Emerson has one. Emerson's got the Inductrix Pro because he was, we were doing our drone racing nights. Yeah. Which unfortunately we never got to finish this year because of this stuff going on. We had to cancel all of our events, no. but so I would say that one, if you're going to go bigger, they have, they have another one that's like a 180 size. So it's, it's maybe nine inches, but I can't remember the name of it now, but we have it in stock. But the crappy thing about that one is you got to, then you got to buy a radio. They don't have a ready to run. So you got to, you got to buy a radio yeah. and then you need to buy that inductrix goggles. The inductrix is by yeah, far that. the best buy for that. Yeah. It's hard to beat. It, yeah. Uh, does, does it come with a screen in the box? Yeah. Or is that something you got to buy? No, nope, the screen's in the box. Sc- <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong. No. You fly it in your house. You aren't going to break anything in your house. Yeah. You can run it into the urn or family urn or whatever. <laughs> like it's not going to knock it over. <laughs> family urn. You know what I saw the other day was, uh, Hey, you got to give me time to guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, the, the I, South Park episode where Cartman, uh, Cartman uh, uh, uses Kenny's ashes to make chocolate milk, and then he's yeah. and then he's uh, <laughs> then he has Kenny inside inside of him for a couple of episodes. Hadn't seen that yeah. one in a little while. It was funny because he's he's That's like mixing it, and then he's like he tastes it. He goes, hmm, "Not bad." And then he like puts the rest of it in there and mixes it up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that your ashes, like the ashes that you like in an urn, are actually the ground up bones? Yeah. Interesting. Did you know that? I did not know that. I had to do a, I had to do a service call. Uh, I had to change a hydraulic line at a crematorium one time a couple of years ago, and they had there's like it's like a there's like dead bodies in the cooler. Oh great! And it's like the guy, the guy, the guy's in there all by himself, the crematorist, and I was like, is there? Bodies in there. He's like, yep. And he opened the thing. And they're under ah. sheets and everything. He's like, yep, they're in there. And he's like, yeah. The the greatest part about this is nobody talks back to me and like making jokes like the whole time. And he said nobody ever listens. And uh, wonder bar. I changed the I changed the uh, line. It was like the table that they used to put the bodies on to put them in the oven or the the crematory thing. But um, I was like what's all that in there is titanium plates and like uh hips and stuff. He's like, Oh, this was a hip or it is a hip. He like took it and like bent it around. And, uh, he's like, do you want it? I was like, no, get that thing away from me. I don't want it. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, he showed, he showed me, he's like, the only thing that's left after you go through the oven is the bones. The, the, there's a little bit of like, there's no ash. Like it's so, it gets so crazy hot. The only thing that's left is the bones. He said, this thing right here, he showed me this like tool. He's like, this is what I use to scrape all the bones into the into the little bone container. And he said, this is where you go in this thing. And it grinds up all the bones and it puts it in a box. So mm. there's literally like your ashes are the bones. Huh. I thought that was kind of a neat yeah, fact. I didn't know that. I guess if you didn't learn anything from this podcast, uh, there you go. There you go. Hey, uh, speaking of crematoriums, we should probably listen to... Uh, a little bit from our sponsor, pivotlending.com. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsors. Yeah! This is a Pivot Lending Update with David Olson and Don Zoller. Get some. On refis, refinances, there are a couple 
programs that everybody should know about. There's an FHA streamline, and then there's the uh, the VA interest rate rate reduction loan, also known as the EARL. The FHA streamline and EARL both allow for the lending institution. They do not have to order their appraisal on the file, or pull credit, or uh, qualify income. So it's pretty much a it's a it's a program that if you're just dropping your interest rate down, and that's and you're staying with the same entity like an FHA or for the VA, then they're trying to make it as cost effective as possible for that borrower. With the value of houses doing what they've been doing in the last two years, I've been looking at refinancing a lot of people out of FHA mortgages into a conventional mortgage because they've got enough equity now to do and refinance into a conventional without having any mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. That's one thing on FHA. You do have mortgage insurance for the life of the loan. So yep. unless unless um, you put 10% down, then it's 11 years. How many times can someone refinance? Unless you put 10%. Many times as they want to. It's really? kind. Of, it's kind of like a guy buying a lot of cars. Yeah. It's just boom. You, I mean, at some point you have to con- you have to break even on it, right? Right. A lot of people like right now that are refinancing from a year ago because rates were four point four and a quarter a year ago. You really need to look at how much you spent on that loan. Let's just say it was three grand, and then how much is the new loan cost? You know, say it's three grand. So then you got six grand. So then you have to take your interest savings, divide it in six grand and figure out how long it is to break even. So maybe it's five years or three years or seven years and then go, are we going to be in this house for seven years? And does it make sense to refinance? Yeah. There are some uh, conventional products. Fannie Mae has um, an appraisal waiver program. So if you're in an area that Fannie has a lot of, um, uh, have purchased a lot of loans in that particular area and they can pull from their database and you have a certain amount of equity, uh, they will allow you to skip the appraisal. You still have to pay like, I think it's a $50 fee on or $75 fee for a recertification or something like that. I think it's 75. David Olson, NMLS 16099. Don Zoller, NMLS 277589. Pivot Lending, NMLS 109995. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. We got a couple more weeks till we're probably going to hook up and race. Two more weeks? Yeah, at least that. Well, I mean, no, we got a whole month of April, apparently. Yeah. Blah. <sighs> you can come yeah, up and my practice. Wife isn't working right. You can come up and practice yeah, some night. I got permission actually to uh, to have like a personal practice night. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Even though the, do that. the track's Invita- pretty track's pretty rough right now, though. Well, let me know when it's good, and we'll do an invite I'm, only. I'm looking forward to that build, that track build coming up soon. It'd just it'd just be you and me and a couple other people that I'll invite. Yep, exactly. Isn't that like what the really crazy fast guys in SoCal do? Like they they yes. have keys to the place and they just like practice all night while nobody was there. Yeah, dude, Brian, the, Brian Kinwald the, had keys to M&M hobbies back, back then. Yeah. Like if that's your job, that's what I do. Yeah, I just like I do. work, work at night and then like go home and sleep all day or like maybe prepare something. And then like, well, nobody's there and you just run. I used run, to run, do that. Run. I used to practice a little bit on, on some nights, uh, back in the day, but nowadays I'm just, I'm just happy to get home. <laughs> well, we used to do that. <laughs> I know. Remember after Friday night racing, I, yeah. we'd leave at five o'clock in the morning. I know. All right. We better Maybe bail later. Uh, I'm going to be on uh, YouTube uh, Hobbyplex After Hours on the Hobbyplex Show YouTube channel this uh, this coming up Thursday. And we'll probably do a What's New Wednesday. Hopefully we get some new stuff in 
tomorrow and yeah. Wednesday so I can do one, but, uh, we'll, uh, yeah, and I'll be at work. Will will be at work. And, uh, eventually one of these days he'll be live in the studio here again. So we can, we can do the podcast, uh, uh, live on YouTube between the, so he can hear yeah. both of us on here instead of just me and these weird absent cool. uh, pauses and stuff. So, all right. Nice talking with you, Will. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining me with this. Uh, like we have been for the last couple months. It's been a lot of fun. We're keeping it going. Yeah. I enjoy it. I look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Thank All right. you. Well, catch you later. Yep. See ya. See you on the flip flop. <laughs>